Well, this morning we were talking uh, in Scripture, and there were some Scriptures I uh, wasn't able to get to. We were talking about lots and how uh, Israel, well, so many things were determined by lots, and it would seem like that, uh, yeah, you have free will, you cast your lot, you cast your vote, but we saw the answer to that was that the Lord determined the lots. So we may cast them, men may cast them, but it's the Lord that determines the results of the lots. And there were several scriptures I wanted to read and, and just didn't have time. So there's one I was going to read in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, and wasn't able to, to uh, read that, so I'd just like to talk about that uh, this evening. Deuteronomy uh, 32, as far as uh, uh, the lots and and this morning we talked about, uh, it talks so much about Israel and, and their inheritance and their land and the land of promise and how uh, he cast lots for, they cast, or the, actually Joshua cast lots that would divide up uh, where their inheritance would be. And then, although we didn't spend too much time on it this morning, but we have a land, we have a promised land, it was, and it was by promise. He gave to Abraham by promise. Also, it's by promise uh, to us as well. So we have a, a land of promise. How's it determined? By chance? By our choices? Our decisions? Our works? At some point in time when we turn over a new leaf or some point in time when we pray through at a mourner's bench or something? So... Our inheritance, uh, who's, who's it up to? Up to chance? Lots? Again, we learned this morning that the Lord determines the lots. So the Lord determines their inheritance of Israel. And thus it is with us as well. So Deuteronomy chapter 32, I wanted to read this to go along with the lesson this morning. And it and several other I, I uh, didn't get to. So I'd like to just look at this tonight. It's a very good scripture. Certainly talking about Israel, uh, but also about God's elect people in this day and age of which you are an individual of that elect number. So Deuteronomy 32. And uh, let me just go straight to verse 10. He found him. And this is, well, let me read 9. For the Lord's portion is his people Jacob and uh, is the lot of his inheritance. He found him. In other words, God. God found him in a desert land and in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So, again, I know it's speaking of Israel, but such a blessing as we see how it applies to us. Again, we, this morning, we, we uh, was assured by the scriptures that their inheritance, in fact, they said uh, God has chosen our inheritance you know, for us. So he, he has chosen their inheritance. He determined their inheritance. So with us, again, is it our choices? Is it by chance? Do we know? And all that. So as we look at this, though, this applies to his children today as much as it did back there. Same God, by the way. But said, he found. 
He led. He instructed. And he kept. True for Israel and true for us. So the first part of this verse says that he found. We didn't. The scripture says there's none that seeketh after God. You say, well, I seek after him. No, if you're seeking after him, it's God causing you to do that. It's still not you seeking after him. But it says that uh, he found. So it's not uh, somebody, I can't remember who I heard this from. Somebody asked somebody, maybe somebody asked Austin. I can't remember. They said, uh, I don't know who it was. Anyway, said, have you found Jesus? Maybe it's Raymond Willis. Anyway, somebody, they asked a question to them, said, have you found Jesus? And they said, I didn't know he was lost. And I thought that's a, that's a pretty good answer that makes a point. Uh, uh, he's not lost. We're not finding him. Uh, it would, if it was, it would be something for us to, to boast about. Uh, but Scripture says there's none that seeketh after God. No, not, not one. And again, we say, yeah, I seek after God. I understand what you're saying. But it's not you. We wouldn't do that. Scripture says we would choose darkness rather than light. So no room for boasting for us. So it says he, he found us. Where did he find us? Where did he find us? You might say, well, you know, uh, I was looking for him, and, and that's, that's, that's when he found me. Or after I cleaned up my life, that's where he found me. Or after I began to do good works and, and bear fruit, that's, that's where he found me. Well, what does the scripture say where he found us, where he found them? He found him in a desert land and in the waste and a howling wilderness. Doesn't sound like a very nice place, does it? If we had a travel brochure, and I, whenever we, we travel and I stop at roadside rest, I look through and I like to pick up a bunch of these brochures and things like that that may uh, want to learn more about or go sometimes. But this wouldn't be a very good travel brochure. Found him in a desert land, in the waste, howling wilderness. A desert land means wilderness. The absent of a uh, garden or a field that's fruitful. We can imagine uh, uh, a fruitful field, a, a field with vegetation bearing fruit and, and healthy and so forth. But this is not where he found us. In the wilderness. Unfruitful place. And then it goes on, and it actually gives a lot of adjectives describing where he found us. Desert land. And it says, in the waste. And, and that word uh, waste means uh, desolation of surface, desert, worthless thing, confusion, an empty place. That's where we were. So again, wouldn't make a very good travel brochure, not a place I'd want to visit. And then the word wilderness, in a desert land, in the waste, and a howling wilderness. 
And again, wilderness is the same, basically the same thing as desert land. Desolation, desert, solitary, wilderness. I used to think wilderness, for some reason, I used to think Daniel Boone in the wilderness, and I thought of real deep forest and everything like that, but that's not what wilderness is in the Scriptures. It's a, when, when Israel wandered 40 years in the wilderness, it was a dry, desolate, uh, barren place. Not a lush green thing like I used to think Daniel Boone traveled in. But here's not only a wilderness. So this is where he found us. And I know that we all have different stories as far as maybe when and so forth and at what rate and and that he calls us to grow and things like that. But this is where he found us. Not only wilderness, but a howling wilderness. Again, this is a terrible place, but that's where he found us. If one was in this position, then they were in a bad place. But this is a picture of where he found us. When the Lord found us, that's where he found us. I won't go there, but you're familiar with the story of the uh, Good Samaritan. That's a picture of us as well. So here we are, alongside the road, half dead, totally depraved. No way we would get out of that condition, out of that position. The, the law comes by, the priest comes by, no help. But it's the Lord. Binds up the wounds, so forth, puts him on a beast, takes him to his inn. And there, everything will be provided that he needs until the Lord returns. So where, where he found that one alongside the road, naked, half dead, no, totally depraved, could not get out of that condition, and then where he took him to. So he found us in this place, in this desert land, no fruit bearing, no fruit at all. This is the place and the condition we were. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. It... it, it uh, a little bit different here, uh, but it shows us where we were as, as a, as a uh, one is called out here. Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a picture where we were as, as well. And again, I know everyone, different degrees, different times, different places, but we start out, no fruit. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, I'd like to go all the way back to verse 1, and we won't do that, but it's talking about uh, one and where they were and in darkness and everything. But we see the Lord calling out in verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So I used to think that this person was among the dead and they were dead. And this is the impartation of, of spiritual life. I always wanted to find that spot, but this is, that's not what this is saying. This individual or these individuals, they were alive, but they were asleep. And they were among the dead. You couldn't tell any difference between them and the dead. But the Lord finds them calls them out and he says arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light so with light out of that desert and that barren land and no fruit 
looking to ways other than, but as we know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. But at a point in time, we were looking at other ways, to whatever degree we were, looking at other ways, doing the best we can. We hear all these things. Be good, you go to heaven. Be bad, you go to the other place. So here, the Lord as he finds us. Wherefore he saith, and where does he find us? Well, desolate place, howling wilderness, but also here, asleep among the dead. Not of the dead, but among the dead. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And again, with light comes the fruit bearing. He said, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So then, uh, as he gives us this light, then we no longer walk that walk in the desolation and an unfruitful walk. Thanks be to God, he found us. And he called us out of this terrible place. Darkness among the dead, no fruit. Because there'd be no way for us to get out of there. Just like the one alongside the road. If it wasn't for the good Samaritan, it'd still be there. So, in, uh, back in Deuteronomy, I won't go back there, but after he said uh, where we were and he found, then it goes on to say he led and he instructed. So he found, then he led and he instructed. We know that he led Israel by the, uh, uh, cloud, the pillar of cloud of smoke during the day and night, the, the column of fire and everything. He led Israel all, all through until he led them through and, and out of the wilderness. But that's the direction that he wanted to go. How does he lead us? We know where we were. We know he found us. He leads. He instructs. How does he lead us? I won't go back there. Psalms 25 and 5 says, Lead me in the truth and teach me. For thou art God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. So he leads us through his truth. And, and Will, Buddy mentioned uh, about the comforter. That's certainly how he leads guys and directs to the truth. Psalms 27, I won't go there, but it says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. In other words, he removes all the obstacles, a plain path. Boy, if we listen to the religious world, it's not a plain path, is it? I picked up a track, and don't see him too much anymore, I guess, with social media and everything, but... I used to pick up these tracks every time I'd see one. And it said there's one way of salvation. So you open it up, and then there's all these different ways. And none of them was the Lord, by the way. So they don't have a plain path. But it says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. As a, uh, one of the Proverbs says that, the, I believe it's, it's the wicked or the slothful, they say there's a lion in the way, a lion in the path. Well, what, 
What does that mean? Well, we know the goal. We know where we want to end up. We want to end up in glory with the Lord. But the wicked religious world says, yeah, there it is. But it's not a plain path. There's a line in the way. What, what does the religious world put in the way? The law of Moses. All the laws of Moses. That's in the way. It's not a plain path. But Psalm 27, teach me uh, thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. And again, that's what our lesson said, that, you know, he, he found us, he led us, he instructs us. Uh, Psalm 73, maybe we'll stop there for a moment. Psalm 73. So our lesson said he found, he led, he instructed. And we don't want to forget that who did what. He found, he led, he instructed. We're just on the receiving end of his grace and his mercy. But Psalms 73 and verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward... Receive me to glory. So this is a blessing, an unmerited favor of God. He guides us, he leads us, and he will receive us unto glory. You see where all the honor and glory goes, though. There's nothing there we can claim. There's nothing there that we can boast about. It's an unmerited favor of God. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor, mercy leaning down to an inferior. It's an unmerited favor of God. So how does he guide us and how does he counsel us? How does he lead and how does he instruct? Uh, we know that after this, then he'll receive us. That's what the scripture says. And uh, we read it so often, but... I'm going to go to it anyway. John chapter 14, uh, talking about the, the comforter. And uh, I know we read a lot and talk about a lot, and we are so blessed uh, to have the leadership of the comforter. So how does he lead us? How does he guide us? Because it says he led, he instructed. How does he do that now? John chapter, we'll go to, and I won't read too much here. John 14 and, and 26. And this is, the Lord is a, a, a very um, private time when he's meeting with his disciples. You know, before, uh, as we look at this, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and even, even 17 when he's praying there. But before, there was a lot of stuff going on. You know, people coming in to see the Lord and, and them trying to spy on him, trying to trap him in the way he said this and he said that. This was a quiet time set aside talking to his disciples. And what a lovely time it is and, and things that he's telling them. So, of course, he'd been telling them some about his, his death and everything. 
which they had problem understanding. But verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you, or he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to remembrance, whatever I said unto you. So we ask, he said in Deuteronomy that, that uh, he found and he, and he led and he instructed. How does he instruct us? How does he lead us? By this comforter. This Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth. Uh, and in verse chapter 15, again, I'd like to read a lot more on this because what a blessing it is. But uh, how does he lead? How does he instruct? 15 and 26. But when the comforters come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. He's not going to testify of anything else. He's not going to testify uh, of works and decisions and choices. He's going to testify of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, him crucified. That's what, he'll, that's what the Holy Spirit teaches. Not teaches... Uh, well, how do babies get to heaven? And the Holy Spirit will teach us how babies get to heaven. And you hear this question brought up uh, occasionally. How do babies get to heaven? And, and the, what you hear is, well, you know, they, uh, um, until they're 12 years old, they really can't make the decision. I made a statement one time. Whether foolish or wise, I don't know, but it, it, it got people's attention. I said, if that was true, if babies automatically went, went to heaven before, if they died before they're 12 years old, the best thing we could do, 11 years, 11 months, kill them. Automatically send them to heaven, right? Of course, I made it clear, don't kill, don't kill them. But if that was a way... But how do babies get to heaven? Jesus Christ him crucified. A person that may be mentally retarded. You ask, well, how do they get to heaven? Well, I think God would create a special way for them is what you hear. Well, he did create a special way. Jesus Christ him crucified. That is a special way. What about if somebody's out on a, uh, marooned out on a island or, or some of these tribes that have never been uh, missionaries, hadn't been there, hadn't preached to them, hadn't preached to them or anything, how are they going to get to heaven? As if someone preaching to them is going to get them to heaven. But how are they going to get to heaven? Jesus Christ and crucified. That's what it all is, Jesus Christ and, and him crucified. So that's what the Holy Spirit... Uh, that's what it says. Uh, when he comes, said he, he will. Uh, he shall testify of me. That's what he'll testify. So those that talk about other ways, the Holy Spirit is not leading them in that. There's no other way. And then sixteen and and uh, well, I'll read verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if, I de but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And certainly he did on the day of Pentecost. And then verse 13 talks about it again. Nevertheless, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. 
And that's where the lesson said he, he found, but then he led and he instructed. How does he do it to us, that comforter? Nevertheless, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit won't cause us to glorify ourselves. Always look, it always goes to the Lord. So our text in Deuteronomy then, it says, he, uh, he found in that terrible place, no fruit. We would never get out of that place, but he found us. He led us. He instructs us. And then it says, and he kept. Are we kept or must we keep ourselves? We know the answer to that, but how many do not know the answer to that? They believe it's up to you to keep yourself. Well, they believe it's up to you to get to that stage and it's up to you to keep yourself. But it says he kept. He, he uh, uh, he found us, he led us, he instructed, and he kept. It's he all the time. We're just on the receiving end of his grace and mercy. So we don't keep ourselves. Uh, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. So, going along with the lesson he found, he led, he instructed, he kept. So, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and uh, verse 8. He raiseth the poor out of the dust. He lifted the beggar from the refuge or the dung to set him among princes, to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. So it's not by our strength prevailing, it's by him, him keeping says he raises the poor out of the dust. And that's what our lesson starts out talking about, where he found us in the wilderness and the howling desert. You're not going to be fruitful there. But he raises his out of that. And he raises the, the, uh, uh, the beggar from the refuge or, for, or from the dung. And we like to look at the Apostle Paul sometimes on that. He says, you know, he had all in Philippians uh, uh, chapter Three, I believe it is. He had all these things, but he suffered all the loss that he may win Christ. And he says, but now, so all these things that Paul had, I mean, Paul was very well educated, 
very high ranking, very prestigious position and everything, and kind of had it made, earthly speaking. But said he lost all of it. It said, touching righteousness when the law is blameless. He says, if any other man thinks he has reason to boast in the law, I've got more than all of you. But it says, I lost all of it. He said, but I counted as dung. So he was sitting there in the dung hill and was happy there and would have stayed there as would have we. But this says he lifted the beggar out of the refuge or out of the dung and set him among princes. Where did he set Paul? He took him to one of his ends. He took him to one of his true churches. And that's where he set him. And as far as his princes, that's those who are going to inherit the throne of glory. And that's what it says, to make them inherit the throne of glory. So that's what the Lord, he found, he led, he instructed, he kept. And that's what we're seeing here. That he raises us out of this, out of that land and everything. Uh, but I want to, I know you know this. I want you to see how so many do not know this. It's all of the Lord. And I want to go to another familiar scripture, and I don't apologize for it. John chapter 6, we go there so much. But it's such a blessing. And again, just to point out to those maybe listening by recorded message that it's all of the Lord. He did this. He found, he led, he instructed, he keeps. And we see this in John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will know what's cast out. Who's doing this here? Is it, the, is it the sheep? It's uh, the, the Father. All that the Father, the Father and the Son. All that the Father giveth me. They're found. He finds. He leads them out. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. I just want us to see it's the Father, it's the Son. It's never of us. It's he. He found. He led. He instructed. He keeps. And that's what we see here. Certainly they're kept. I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again on the last day. So who's doing all this? It's he. He found. He led. He instructed. He keeps. All the way through every stage. All the way through. And then, as far as keeping, John chapter 10. And again, I know we, we read this a lot. Uh, and it brings me great comfort and great security. And that's what I want you to see as well. John 10 and 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. 
That's the reason some can't believe. Now, we don't want to be too quick and say, well, they don't believe. They're not one of the Lord's sheep. Well, we don't know that. Lord, who would have thought Saul of Tarshish was one of the Lord's sheep? And I certainly didn't think so. But the Lord, it may be one of the Lord's sheep that he's bringing out of darkness. May he use you. But then he says, my sheep, and again, these are all facts. And Chuck, we read this um, the other day. And it says, my sheep hear my voice. These are just facts. It's not conditional. It doesn't say, well, the good sheep or the sheep that try hard. It just says, my sheep. Just a fact. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. Another fact. He knows his sheep. Another fact, they follow me. Well, that's the good news of the ones that try hard. Doesn't say that. Says his says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And then it says the great words, and I give unto them eternal life. He gives it. Doesn't offer, he gives. And they shall never perish. Neither shall a man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave to me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So he keeps. He found. He led. Instructed. And he keeps. It's he all the way. We're just on the receiving end of that. No boasting for us. Uh, Isaiah 64 Actually, we did read this morning. I want to read it again uh, this evening because it goes along with our text there in Deuteronomy. Isaiah 64. And, uh, or Isaiah 46. I'm dyslexic tonight. Uh, Isaiah 46. And verse 4. This goes along with what we've been looking at uh, along with it. Uh, well, let's read verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from their birth, who are carried from the womb. Israel is his elect and also the elect in this day and age. But look what he has to say about these. He said, I, I carried from the womb. So he found, he led, he instructed, and he keeps. But here he says, even to your old age, I am he. Even to gray hairs will I carry you. I have made, I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. He will keep. So as we look at this, from the, from the womb. In fact, we see Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. Same with, with you and I. It said, from the womb. And then it says, even to your old age. What we're going to see here, every stage is what we're going to see. But I'd like to separate them just a little bit here. From the womb. As we talked this morning about casting lots, there was no chance. He knew you from the womb, actually before the foundation of the world. So no chance. But this just states it here. From the womb. Even to your old age. So these are different stages. Now, I don't know. 
I don't, let's see, how do I say, can I say this gracefully? I don't want to consider myself old age yet. Not as young as I used to be, but when and if I get there, he's still the one responsible. He's still from the womb all the way through to old age. It's him keep, it's he found, he led, he instructed, he keeps all the way through every stage. And he says, even to gray hairs. Well, I got a few, my hairs are changing color a little bit. I got a few more of those than I used to have. I like, I t- reminded somebody this the other day, and uh, Chuck, I think we were talking to, to Danny and everything and, and uh, about hair, and Chuck was saying, you know, yeah, I've got hair and everything. I was thinking about the, the comedian, uh, Gallagher, the one who used to smash the watermelon, sleds the mattock and everything, and he always wore a hat, but he was bald on top. But he had real long hair and everything. And one day he was doing a, uh, a little bit and everything, and so he was kind of twiddling his hair and playing with his hair and everything. He said, hair. He said, now, what about a gray hair? Do I pluck it? He said, after all, it is a hair, and that meant a lot to him and everything. So here, even to your gray hairs. So I'm, uh, I'm accumulating uh, more of them. But he says, I will carry. This is saying the same thing that our text said in, in Deuteronomy and other places. Well, it's him all the way. But this breaks it up into stages. The womb, the old age, gray hairs. And he says, I will carry you. And then it says, I have made, that basically goes back to the womb again. I've made, I will bear, even I will carry. So now, what stage are we in? Well, we're in the carrying stage. The womb, gray hairs, and he says, I will bear, I will carry. So we're in this carrying stage right now. But again, he is carrying. We don't want to lose sight of that. Sometimes we may, but he is carrying. And sometimes it's hard to understand while he's carrying us this direction. We, uh, hindsight, we can look back sometimes but I want to go to uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. You may hold your place here, but Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Uh, as far as carrying and the stage we're in and uh, not always understanding at the time. Mort sings a song, Thank You for the Valleys. And sometimes we don't understand those valleys while we're in them, but it says, he found us, he led, he instructed, and he kept. And even from the womb, old age, gray hairs, he will bear, he will carry. And sometimes that's difficult, this carrying stage. Sometimes we don't understand. Maybe looking back. But Ecclesiastes 7 and uh, 
verse 13. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight that which he hath made crooked? Sometimes we wonder about the path that he's leading us. Who can make straight? Well, we can't, we can't change the path that he has ordained for us. Who can make straight that which he has made crooked? You know, we look at Job, and Job's life was a, a roller coaster, wasn't it? Job had this, and he took everything away, and then uh, went all through this. And I don't know how long, I don't know if we have a time period how long that was. I'm sure it seemed like a long time to Job, and I'm sure it was a certain period of time. But the Lord led him through all those things. A crooked path. But who could make But it was the Lord's plan for that crooked path. But who can make straight that which the Lord made crooked? Now, at the end of that, certainly we see Job. Uh, at the end, he said, well, I've heard of the Lord before. Because Job had preached the Lord. In fact, they made fun of him and said, well, you know, God's mad at you for something, you know. You, you, your doctrine must be false doctrine. This wouldn't be happening to you uh, if it wasn't. So just go ahead and curse God and die, his wife told him. His other friends, basically the same thing. And, uh, but at the end, the final outcome, we see Job, he says, I've heard of the Lord, but now mine eye seeth him. Through this crooked path, that the Lord had taken Job, Job was enlightened more and more of God. And verse 14 then, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. So Job Went through both, didn't he? Prosperity and then adversity. And all of us have this in our lives as things come into our lives. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. So in the days of adversity, we consider. And it says, God also has set the one over against the other. God has brought the prosperity and the adversity. We don't always understand. Sometimes looking back, we, we may certainly do. But So why? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God has set, one, uh, set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. So, it's, so we find nothing in ourselves. That's part of the purpose of this, that we find nothing in ourselves. He set one against the other to the end that uh, we find nothing after ourselves. And that is part of the point of that. So, he chose, he found, he led, he instructed, and he will keep, and he will deliver. So as Israel, he did for Israel, so he does us, found us in that waste, no fruit in that land, brings us out of that, 
guides us, instructs us, and keeps us, and shows us that there's nothing within us. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.